0: Officially, good morning, everybody. So as, as you can tell, I, I tend to love names. Uh, and one of the reasons I love names is because we find our identity uh, in them. And um, actually, it's kind of funny. Two of my favorite children's movies that, that deal with names and identity are uh, the new Alice in Wonderland movie and the Disney movie Moana. So those, those are both pretty cool movies if you haven't seen them. And in the new Alice in Wonderland movie, Alice is older now, and then she goes back to Wonderland, but she doesn't remember that she's been there. And, and so, of course, she's presented to the Caterpillar. You remember the Caterpillar? And like always, he goes, Who are you? And she says, Alice. And he says, Are you the Alice? And, and she says, I'm a Alice. Um, and then throughout the movie, um, she goes from being not hardly Alice to mostly Alice. And then finally, at the end, when she embraces her identity, Alice at last. And then in Moana, uh, this young girl is it goes on this, uh, she feels called to the sea. And she goes on this journey and this this mission. And along the way, she and others start to begin to question um, that calling. And at the climax moment, uh, with, it's a Disney movie, so all climax moments in Disney movies have great songs behind them. She sings out, I am Moana. And it's just like, yes. <laughs> and uh, I hear that a lot in my house, so you can't blame me. <laughs> um, and, and Moana means the sea. A- and it's where she was meant to be. It's her identity and it's her name. Often in our names, we find identity. And that's why the most important name that we have isn't one that we were born with. It's one that many of us have taken on. It's the name of Jesus Christ. And unfortunately to the world, um, the name doesn't mean much these days. The name Christian, little Christ follower, doesn't mean much. These days. And I think the problem is, though we've taken on his name, we haven't embraced his identity. Uh, See, when we take on his name, we're also supposed to take on his identity, and we do take on his identity, and that's actually going to be a major piece of what we're going to look at this morning. Knowing who we are and whose we are changes how we see ourselves and the world around us, and it changes how we act both inwardly toward ourselves and outwardly to others and to the world. And so if you have a Bible with you, I want you to open up with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, we're going to be looking at verses 12 through 17. And so if you have one of our red Bibles, that's on page 800. And if you'd like a Bible to use, Scott is just waiting to bring one to you. You have to wave boldly at him. And so Scott would love to bring you one of our red Bibles to use. And so page 800 in the red Bibles, Romans 8, verses 12 through 17. And as we read through this passage, one of the things I want you to look for is any place it talks about our identity. And One of the most important elements of identity is knowing who we were, who we are, and who we will be. Who we were, who we are, and who we will be. Uh, and that's really what I want you to look for as we read through this. And this passage hits on all three of those. And so let's read that together. Romans 8, 12 through 17. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Well, let's take a moment and just pray before diving in any further. Father, I thank you for the opportunity for us to gather. I thank you for the opportunity to gather as a family uh, as, and, and as individual families, and that we get to celebrate things like dedicating our children to you. That, that our hearts are um, wanting to say, Lord, help me let go. Help me surrender even what's most precious to me um, because my relationship with you is the most precious and their relationship with you is the most precious. Uh, Father, I, I, I pray that all of us in our hearts would be able to continue uh, and to be able to see that our relationship with you is what is most important in our lives uh, and that you would open up our eyes and our hearts to what this passage of Scripture is saying about who we are and, and our identity. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well. Verse 12 started by saying we have an obligation, but that it's not to the sinful nature. And it's interesting because in the original Greek, that word uh, that was written there, um, that word obligation is actually the word debtor. I thought this was really interesting. Uh, and, And so for most of, you know, those of you who remember the old school version of the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Uh, that's actually the same word. Same word In Greek, that's aphiletes debtors. And so verse 12 literally translates to say, we are debtors not to the flesh. And I was talking to a friend this week, uh, and, and we were, one of the things we ended up talking about was love. And in, the, in that conversation, a key truth that we hit on is that love never says, you owe me right like in 1 Corinthians uh, 13 love keeps no records of wrongs it always forgives it never says you owe me if you're a debtor someone else can say you owe me and it's not a relationship of love paul is saying in our old identity as sinners uh, that are separated from god we had in obligation. We were debtors, debtors to our sinful nature. And it, it owned us because we owed it something. It, we owed it our very lives. But like we like we've seen and like we've we throughout this series and like we really talk about every single week, uh, because of the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ We've been saved. Our debt has been paid in full, completely, forever. Uh, remember, just, just a couple weeks ago, two chapters ago, we read this here from Romans 6.10. The death, he died. He died to sin once for all. Jesus paid it all. And so Paul tells us to remember that we were debtors. We were slaves. That was our identity. But that we are no longer enslaved and no longer in debt to the flesh that sinful nature. So stop serving it. Because there's a consequence to serving it. Verse 13 says, if we continually live in there, if we keep living according to the sinful nature, we will die. And again, the Greek is actually helpful here because uh, the concept is, if you keep sinning, you're headed for death you're on the verge of dying not not dying for something good but dying for something that's worthless jesus has paid for our eternal debt of sin but if we choose to live in sin without seeking to repent or to turn from it there's going to be a price I mean, how many stories do we need to hear and we hear them a lot um of, about followers of jesus even pastors that have fallen into sin, and their lives and their families have been destroyed. Right? Actually, uh, very recently, right now, Billy Graham is in the news quite a bit a lot because of his passing away last week. And anytime time we think of Billy Graham, of course, we think of his upstanding character. But the last time Billy Graham, was, his name was in the news, was a couple of years ago um, when they were talking about his grandson was also a pastor, was also a pastor, and how he resigned from his ministry position because of having multiple affairs. See Paul says, "If you live there, you're headed for death. You're headed for senseless suffering, you and your family. It's not a punishment. It's a consequence, and it's a fact. Sin kills. Sin destroys. Sin makes things die. Again, two chapters ago in Romans, we saw this. The wages of sin is death. That's what you earn when we live in sin. And that's why Paul says, kill it. By the power of the Holy Spirit who is within you, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, kill it. Put it to death. Put to death the misdeeds of the body. And it's important to remember uh, what Stuart Briscoe was talking to us about last week in Romans 7. There's a tension for the Christ follower. We, if we have Christ within us, but sin wants to keep ruling us. It keeps wanting to, to pull us. We've, we died to sin, but sin keeps wanting to come back to life. And the problem is, we still live in our sinful bodies. right? And as long as we do... There will be attention. tension. I think I shared this story a couple of years ago, but um, back before we had our first child, one of our friends from college threw us a, um, a, a baby shower, and her husband is a pastor, and he was giving the toast. And he said, um, Very quickly, <laughs> you'll soon realize, after your beautiful child is born, that you have given birth to a little sinner. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't take us too long to realize how true those words were. <laughs> Our precious little children, even the ones that we dedicated this morning, are little sinners in need of a Savior. <laughs> and they they are literally born with a propensity, a nature to sin. About a week ago, my son Noah, who's uh, two and a half picked out the book that he wanted to read for uh, bedtime story. And and every night we we usually read one regular story, one or two Bible stories, and then we pray before we go to bed. And so uh, the book he brings to me is this one here. (laughs) And um, I'm going, okay, uh, sure. So I flip open to the first page. (laughs) And I'm going, oh boy. So I said, son, is, uh, is the reason you like this book because of the pretty mermaids? And he said, yeah, Papa, I like the mermaids. <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah, you do. <laughs> so let's read a different book, okay? <laughs> One day my son's going to kill me for <laughs> sharing that story. <laughs> but he's just two, right? He, he doesn't know any better. He's just following the sinful nature within him, a sinful nature that he hasn't learned how to put to death yet. And like verse 14 says, it's God's spirit within us that leads us to put to death the misdeeds of the body. And those of us who are led by his spirit are called sons of God and, and ladies of the room, uh, Don't hear this as a negative because the concept here is for all of us because sons of God, sons back then, had a legal status. That That was something that was actually trying to demonstrate our legal standing in the world as sons of God, all of us. And in verse 15, Paul says, we didn't receive a spirit that makes us enslaved again, living in fear to whatever it was that we were afraid of. Whether that was fear of death, fear of punishment, fear of separation. But rather, we received the spirit of sonship. And more specifically, the Greek says, we received the spirit of adoption. And this is interesting. It's important to notice, if you look back down on your page, it doesn't say a spirit, lowercase, of adoption. This is a title. It's, it's like Jesus being called the Prince of Peace, The Holy Spirit is is being called the Spirit of Adoption. It's a marker of his identity. It's what he does. He is an adopter. And when he is in us, we are the adopted. And by him, we can cry out, Abba, Father. And being able to call God Dad is actually a pretty big deal. It's a marker of our relationship with him and a marker of our identity. My my daughter, Ella, who I dedicated earlier here, she has no fear of not being my daughter one day. Uh, What can my daughter do to make her not my daughter, right? She has no fear of not being enough or doing enough to earn or keep that title, to keep that identity. She is my daughter. And the Holy Spirit testifies within us that we need to have no fear of being enough or doing enough to keep the identity of being God's children in Jesus Christ. Jesus was enough. He did enough. He is our righteousness and our right standing with God. And like verse 17 says, if we're God's children, then we're also heirs of, With Jesus Christ. This is where it kind of gets interesting because uniquely, the inheritance we receive isn't self glorification or possessions or wealth. It's sharing Jesus' glory and also sharing Jesus' suffering. And and the suffering part comes in that dying to self. Dying to sin, dying to non-eternal stuff. It's dying to everything that separates us from Christ so that we can live free and unbound. And that's what the Spirit leads us to do because of who he is and then who we are. So, before we started this passage, I asked you to kind of keep your eyes open and look for any place that it talks about identity, and specifically those elements of who we were, who we are, and who we will be. And I think what what happens is when we when we step back from this passage, what we see is who we were is a slave, who we are is a son, and who we will be is an heir. And in fact, being an heir is something that we both are, already are, and in one day will fully be. So it's both present and future. And so, I was a slave, I am a son, I will be an heir. And actually, I want to repeat that. Tim, can you throw that on the slide? I was a slave, I am a son, and I will be an heir. But okay, here's the problem. Remember, we addressed this earlier as well. To the world, the name Christian, unfortunately, doesn't mean much. And I think that the reason is because we have an identity problem. I was a slave, but sometimes I slip back into that old identity. I am a son, but sometimes I forget to live in that new identity. And I will be an heir. But sometimes I misunderstand or don't have a vision for what that means. So the series is called Unbound. And it's called that for a great reason because over and over in Romans 6 through 8, Paul keeps telling us how we've been unbound. He keeps trying to demonstrate to us how we were slaves. And that's the first part of our identity in Christ. I was a slave. But Like Paul knows, sometimes we slip back into that old identity. So how do we address the problem? The the problem of slipping back into that old identity of of being a slave. Well, I've got a, a quick commercial to see maybe if that can give us some guidance here. A feature available for the first time on any Honda is the road departure mitigation system. It's designed to help the driver stay on a detected roadway. It employs a windshield-mounted camera, also used by the lane departure warning system, to identify lane markings, including painted yellow or white lines, bots dots, and cat's eye markers. If your vehicle drifts too close to the side of the road while driving between 45 and 90 miles per hour without a turn signal activated, the system alerts you with a visual lane departure warning in the MID. Applies steering torque to help keep the vehicle in the detected lane and alerts you with rapid vibrations on the steering wheel. If the system determines that steering input is insufficient to keep the vehicle on the roadway, it may apply braking. You're thinking, what on earth? Did you play the right commercial? What if, perhaps, that was kind of how the Holy Spirit operated in our lives? As we veer, as we start going the wrong way, that that, that there would be this correcting nature in our lives. What if it does kind of work like that? (laughs) What if that's kind of the point, is that when when we find ourselves slipping back into that old identity of slaves, what ends up happening is as we yield ourselves to the Spirit, we realize it's about His guidance, His control, our letting go. It's about submission. And so I, I think the answer to that question of how do we keep ourselves from slipping back into that old identity, it comes down to submission. And what I think we need to do is submit in a couple of different ways. Submit to the Spirit's leading and correction, submit control, submit to one another, and submit to obedience. And I've got some scriptures here that I think just continue to expound on this. Hebrews 12 says, moreover... We've had we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it how much more should we submit to the father of our lives and live James 4 submit yourselves then to God resist the devil and he will flee from you Ephesians 5 submit to one another out of reverence for Christ Hebrews 5, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he had suffered. So I was a slave, and when I'm tempted to slip back into that old identity, we remember to submit, submit and to the spirit's leading and correction we don't resist him when he's trying to guide us in a different direction in the 23rd psalm david talks about the lord's rod and staff comforting him well those are shepherd's tools to use to push and to guide and to discipline we submit control we we let go of trying to be the boss we surrender We submit to one another. We plug in to small groups and engage here in the gathering with others so that people can know us and actually be able to speak into our lives, even when it's hard words and hard things that we need to hear. And we submit to obedience. We choose Christ's way instead of the way of sin. And so the second part of our identity is that I am a son. However sometimes I forget that new identity. I think most of you guys know that I, I love C.S. Lewis, uh, and I especially love his uh, children's series of books from the Chronicles of Narnia, and I just finished reading The Silver Chair again. Uh, and in this story, Prince Rillian gets captured by a witch, uh, and she uses her voice and the silver chair to cause the prince to forget his identity, his identity as a son of the king. That's why I love C.S. Lewis. He was trying to show us this very point that I'm talking about, how we also forget that we are sons and daughters of the king. We, and when we forget our identity, we lose our purpose. And that forgetting problem isn't just with us. Uh, it goes actually all the way back to the beginning, all the way back to Israel. God repeatedly told them, don't forget who you are because of what I have done for you. And how did God tell them to remember? Remember? Well, he says this here several times in Deuteronomy. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. How do we address the problem of forgetting our new identity as sons? We need to be in Scripture. We need to be reading God's word. We need to actually be disciplining ourselves to do that regularly, daily. We need to remember what God has done through Jesus Christ and who we are because of what he has done. And when we remember our identity, we'll remember our purpose. Like Israel, our purpose is to point the world to our saving God. It's to be praying for others. It's to bring peace. It's to be demonstrating love even to our enemies. It's to bring the kingdom and glorify the name of Jesus Christ. In Galatians, Paul actually repeats everything that he's been saying here in Romans. Because you are sons... God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. And this is where we get to the third part of our new identity that we see in this passage, that I will be and I am an heir. But sometimes we misunderstand or don't have a vision for what that means. And if you are and will be an heir, that means you will receive an inheritance. And like it says here in Romans 8, our inheritance, which begins now and also continues, is both suffering as well as future glory. And I think sometimes it's hard for us to understand why suffering has to be a part of our identity. If we're sons and daughters of God, heirs, and our father is the king, shouldn't that mean blessings? I mean, it, 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 suffering doesn't sound like blessing. It sounds like a curse, right? And, and there's this very prevalent belief out there that if we follow God, everything will be okay, right? If, if, we're, if we're following him, everything will be great. Uh, in fact, it'll be um, the better that you follow him, the more you'll be blessed. The more he'll bless you, more money, better health, bigger houses, uh, larger families. That's not what Jesus said. That's not what he said at all. In the Beatitudes that he says in Luke, Jesus said, blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Your name. The Apostle Paul agrees in First Peter or Peter rather in First Peter four. Peter says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the Spirit of the Lord and of God rests on you. If you suffer as a Christian, Do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. What's in a name? A lot. Our very identity, which gives us our understanding of who we are. And it gives us a vision for what that means. Can you see why I like names? And in the name of Jesus Christ, we find our greatest identity as sons and daughters of God and heirs alongside Jesus, both in his suffering so that we can know him better, but also in sharing his glory, this glory that he desires to share with us. I was a slave. I am a son. And I will be an heir. And today, this morning, is parent-child dedication. (laughs) And I think that's important for us to see. Um, Because when we look at, again, those children's movies that I brought up in the beginning, um, the climax of those movies uh, in Alice in Wonderland and Moana are the words, I am Moana and Alice at last. It's the moment that they know who they are. They know their identity. And so on this Parent-Child Dedication Sunday, I think it's important for us to look and realize that our passage in Romans tells us that in Christ, we are God's children. You and I. And so as God's children, uh, I'd like to end with one more dedication. Our own. Uh, our own dedication of identity, that I was a slave, I am a son, and I will be an heir. And so if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, I'd actually like you to say that with me, and we'll put it up here on the screen. So you ready? I was a slave, I am a son, and I will be an heir. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word that we find in scripture. I thank you for who you are and because of who you are and what you have done that we can understand who we are and what we need to now go and do. So, Father, I ask that you continue to open up our hearts to fall on our knees before you, first and foremost in submission, uh, to say we want to let go, we want to give up and and let you lead and take control of our lives, that your spirit would guide us. And whether we want to say that for the first time or we want to say, it uh, again and again, Lord, help us let, release control so that you can lead us, uh, to help us better understand that in you uh, we can say, I was a slave, but that I'm a slave no longer because of what Jesus Christ has done for me in his righteousness. And now I am a son of God, and I can proclaim that, and I can praise that, and, and I can be excited about Jesus, the identity of Jesus, praising him. Looking forward to understanding what does it mean to be an heir, to walk side by side with Jesus Christ. Uh, and ultimately one day walking toward sharing in his glory. Uh, Help us understand that, Father. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.